I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John this morning. We'll be reading from John chapter 6. Think of why John writes this Gospel. He gives us all 21 chapters, but then he tells us at the end of, near the end of the Gospel, why he's written to begin with. Uh, That we might believe in Jesus, that he is the Christ, and that by believing we would have life in his name. That's a pretty lofty goal uh, for putting some words together. Uh, John writes in a very lofty manner. Um, He uh, holds out the humanity, the deity of Christ in a very remarkable uh, way. And uh, we think John is is writing after the other three uh, gospel writers. So with the assumption that his readers are probably familiar with the events surrounding Jesus' life, and that storyline a little bit, and uh, the life of Jesus. So much of John's parallels to the Synoptic Gospels, those other three Gospels, are, are not literary, but uh, conceptual in their nature. John really adds a lot of meat to the bones uh, we find in those other uh, Gospels. A lot of theological uh, depth here. Uh, making it pretty clear that God's authority rests upon Jesus that the kingdom of God has actually come in the person of Jesus. Uh, Pushing away the darkness, we see Christ uh, healing the blind. The blind see, the deaf uh, can hear, the dead are raised. All of creation responds to a word from the mouth of Jesus. And Last week we heard that Jesus is the true vine from John chapter 15. He's the source of life for, uh, for us as Christians and the enabler to bear that fruit of faith. So now in John chapter 6, Jesus is moving from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other. He's got eager crowds uh, in trail. Our focus, it really is verses 22 through 59. I'm just going to, that's a large section. We're going to read 22 through 40 this morning. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, 
Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. This is God's holy and enduring word to his people. Let's pray together. Our great God, we thank you for this word. We do thank you that you have condescended to us in a way that we can know and understand, and yet we can know nothing apart from the help of your Spirit. Or to consider how challenging these words would have been for those who heard it from the very lips of Jesus. They challenge us this morning. Lord, even as you feed us through your word, it is our desire to be fed of you to know you and to believe. Lord, work your word to accomplish its purpose as you have promised to do in these moments. Make us attentive now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Screaming children. That was the cue. Screaming children. Did any of you know any screaming children? Yeah, screaming children. They don't have to be in the back room there where Ray Bell is. They could be. Um, or maybe we've all been screaming children at one way or another. There are a lot of reasons why children will start to scream, and adults for that matter. We just do it a little quieter, right? Um, I knew a family, a dear family, they had uh, six children, and uh, I, I watched them. We were sitting around the table, and the, the one who was a little, little under one year old was just screaming. And the dad turns to this one-year-old and says, What is your problem? What, it is, what could you possibly need that hasn't been given for you? And so they put another sweet potato or a piece of ham, I can't remember what it was, and he shoves the food into, into his mouth. And before the food is, is gone, like it's hanging out of his mouth, he's still chewing, and he's starting to scream again, wanting more food, keep it coming. Um, and it's really not much different than the crowds that are hanging around Jesus at this point in John chapter 6. They've been stuffing their faces with the provision of Jesus. It's a big crowd. Jesus is, you know, his reputation is growing. He's getting pretty, pretty well known in this part of, of Galilee. He's been doing some pretty cool things. Even feeding them. Now most people would have to work all day long just for their daily bread. To be able to feed themselves and their families. So now with Jesus around, hey, they can, they can eat and they don't even have to work for it. Um, this isn't a bad deal. This Jesus could come in really handy. Um, good guy to have around. And so they, they wake up after, you know, after full tummies. They, they see that Jesus is gone. There's a couple of boats. Um, now there's only one boat, so that isn't, that isn't good. Their tummies are starting to rumble. It's breakfast time. They need to find Jesus. So they find Jesus on the other side of the lake here. Add Jesus, Rabbi, what are you doing here? Um, do, you, do you know what time it is, Jesus? Their stomachs are growling. Do you hear the screaming? <laughs> Mouths hanging open. Maybe a little drool, crumbs from yesterday's meal. So if it wasn't that obvious, Jesus knows 
the motivation of their hearts. He knows the motivation behind what is coming out of their mouths. And, and that's, that's what Jesus is concerned with. He's concerned with the heart. Those things that no one else knows about us. Those things that we would rather die than for other people to know about us. The real agendas behind our words, the smiles, He knows perfectly. And that, that's what He's after. Jesus knows the heart says, you're after what you can get from me. You're not after me. You see the signs rather than, than drawing into a deeper understanding of, of me in a relationship with me. You see my power as a means to an end. You're just after breakfast. Friends, how often do we approach Jesus, this great God of the story, the story He's entrusted to us just because we're after breakfast? We don't really want Jesus. We don't really want to, to know and be known by our Heavenly Father. We just want what He can provide for us at the appropriate times. Uh, you know, maybe if you get your, your breakfast, Starbucks or you know, out of the machine, you get that dispenser and you just sort of you pay for your coffee and you push down the dispenser and get your, your coffee, you hand over the money and you get something in return. Sometimes we approach God in that same way. Uh, kind of like that divine vending machine or dispenser. Put in some prayers. Maybe, maybe we're filling the pew most Sundays. I mean, certainly God owes us something for that. Some blessing, some relief. Sort of a scratch God's back and He'll scratch yours at the right time. That's not the attitude of the crowd here. Verse 28, tell us, Jesus, what do we need to do? We're ready. Just, just keep the bread coming. So Jesus responds uh, to this gathering, to this condition of the heart. So think of how patient our God is, how patient Christ is with those who come to Him in ingratitude, in unbelief. The way in which Jesus responds here really informs our own response and living in union with Christ. I want us to hone in on two things specifically. The sign of authority that we see in Jesus and the source of life that we have in Jesus. Sign of authority and source of life. And where we've read in John 6, we're right on the heels of this miracle where Jesus takes the five loaves, two fish, and He feeds at least 5,000 men, probably more than that, who are gathered around Him. There's no one in the no one else in the crowd is going to do something like this. No one in this room is going to do something like that. This is the divine Son of God providing nourishment in a supernatural way. A very, very clear sign that, that He's probably worth following. He's probably worth listening to. In fact, some time on your face in worship may be in order. So that the people are astounded by this. They think He's a, a special prophet. They're ready to make him king, but very few um, truly understand. Very few are actually on their face acknowledging who Jesus is, worshiping the king of creation. And so Jesus goes on to tell them, you know, after they've come for more food, that the food they're looking for is only temporary. Um, they're going to be hungry again by the time we get to lunch. What they really need is food that lasts. 
food that comes from the Father that they can never earn on their own. It's a food that only Jesus can provide. And so the, the very presence of food here, the response of Jesus about food, verses 25 through 30, demonstrate his authority. Truly, truly, amen, amen, Jesus speaks again. He says it twice on the subject of food with authority. Another sign of Jesus' authority, and I've hinted at this already, his claims on behalf of God the Father. Um, he says that the Father has placed his seal upon the Son, the Son of Man, Jesus' favorite way in the Gospels to refer to himself. So now, most of us are familiar with what a seal is. Not the little cute creature at the zoo, uh, but, but a mark of genuineness and authenticity. Most marriage licenses, or maybe even your, your driver's license, will have that, that seal, that holographic seal, showing that this, this is the real deal. It carries the authority of the sealer. So Jesus, who gives the food that endures to eternal life, gives it on behalf of and with the authority of the Father. The Father is fully certified that Jesus is His own. So let me ask you, do we believe and bow before the authority of Jesus? Jesus is not coming here with suggestions to the crowd. Not coming with suggestions for us. Here, you need to supplement your diet a little bit. Let me recommend some food from the Son of Man. No, that's not the posture. He comes with the food, the Word, and the authority of the Father. It's the authority in all of life. Not just parts of it, the parts we feel comfortable with, but but all this word. That Bible that you have right in front of you, that you have sitting on your lap, is the story, the very heart of God. Every thought, every attitude, every word by which every action is measured. So let's praise the Lord for this. Let's praise the Lord for the authority of Jesus and His word that we might know how to live, know how to exercise a love for Him and for each other. So we see the signs of Jesus' authority here, but also the source of life that we have in Jesus. Um, Having lived in Iowa for a little while, we were immersed in that agricultural community. Um, And so we could get, uh, we had a fairly fairly good appreciation of where our food comes from. Um, how it's processed, maybe a little bit more when you're living in a city and you want bacon and eggs, you just go to Kroger or you go to the neighborhood market because that's where the food comes from. Well, that's where, it's, where we find it, that's where it's dispersed, distributed. But it's been quite a process uh, to get that food from the real source, from the farm into the stores. So the crowd with their mouths open says to Jesus, our fathers gave the manna from heaven to eat. What do you have, Jesus? The Lord reminds him that it wasn't that the source was not the patriarchs. The source of their bread was not Moses. It was the Father, the Father who now gives them the true and lasting bread. The manna that, that satisfied the hunger of Israel in the wilderness points to the true manna from heaven. The very, very bread of life that satisfies the spiritual hunger, not just for Israel now, 
but for Jew and Gentile, all who would feast on this bread. The people don't deserve this bread. They cannot earn this bread in any way. It's given to them, given to us by the Father. And the bread of heaven here, the bread of God, it's used interchangeably uh, throughout the chapter. It really makes a reference too to the showbread in the Old Testament. The bread of the presence that sat on that gold-plated table in the tabernacle. Twelve loaves that the priests would, would eat each Sabbath as a perpetual offering to the Lord. It would have been very hard for anyone hearing these words. Words of Jesus after the time of the cross, even not to, to think about this offering, the supreme sacrifice of Jesus for His own. The enduring life that Jesus gives. The, the reconciliation with God. The reconnection with God. It comes only through the sacrifice of the cross. So Jesus unpacks the self-identifying bread of life through the remainder of these verses, 49 through 58. He expands the metaphor. This, this eternal life is assured. It is a certain result for those who feast upon this bread from heaven. Those who put their faith and trust in Jesus. So in these verses, many other places, Jesus he's teaching spiritual truths through the physical. Those who eat bread get full tummies. Those who believe have their spiritual hunger, their starving hearts satisfied. It's a belief in the Lord Jesus, dependence upon Him that gives Life. The preacher of the Hebrews, that great tribute of faith, says that without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. We see in verses 37 through 44, the Father gives all whom He has chosen to Jesus. And yet, it remains true that we must come to Him. There must be a positive response of faith to God's initiative. But it's a divine initiative that cannot fail. Why? Because it is the Father who draws us and illumines our hearts that we might feast in faith. Do we thank Him for this? Do we thank Him in absolute wonder and amazement for His gracious work in us that we might even desire to eat, desire to feast? It was the late uh, B.B. Warfield, one of the last great theologians of uh, Princeton University. He said, The marvel of marvels is not that God in His infinite love has not elected all this guilty race to be saved, but that He's elected any. That's the marvel of marvels. Grace of our God. For those who have rebelled against Him, may our praise be absolutely unending for this grace. Friends, feasting on Christ by faith, it is a gift of God even as it's His desire that we would look upon Jesus and believe. It is possible to look upon Jesus. It's possible to gaze upon this cross week after week and not believe. Look at the crowd here. They saw Jesus. They spent time with Jesus. They tasted the sign that He was Merely the son of Joseph, the carpenter's kid to them. Seeing is not necessarily believing. 
remember watching a YouTube video, again, this was a little while ago, but it, was, uh, it showed this boa constrictor that was swallowing a crocodile. And I, I watched this, and I listened to the commentary describing this, and I didn't, I didn't believe it. Now, it wasn't here in Arkansas. It was in Australia. But that is one tough snake. Um, seeing it, not necessarily believing. We can see Jesus. We can spend time exposed to Him and those who claim allegiance to Him and yet miss the very object of saving faith. Our belief must be fixed upon the one who carries all authority and the source of life. Apart from this belief, apart from a trust and devotion to Christ, we're going to stay hungry. We'll end up stuffing our faces with lots of things that we hope will satisfy us. It could be our careers. It could be relationships. It could be physical pleasures. It could be our bank accounts. But they'll never satisfy the hunger of our hearts. Only in Jesus, the bread of life, can our hearts be satisfied. Only by resting in Him do we find that strength for today, that hope for tomorrow. In the Lord's Supper that we're going to eat in just a moment, we have... We symbolically eat the flesh, drink the blood of the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit uniting us to Christ through faith. And even though you know, Jesus is not talking about the Lord's Supper in this text, there, there's a clear parallel uh, to the meal that we're going to share. Even when our core emptiness has been satisfied through faith, there is a need that remains, a dependence on Jesus, to strengthen our faith, to, to kindle our love, encourage our hope for what is to come. He gives us this grace, seals it to us. There's a good friend of mine who shared a word in worship that's really stuck with me. Uh, when he said, sin entered through a meal, and the grace of God in Christ is extended through a meal. Sin entered through a meal, the grace of God is extended through a meal. So let's feast in faith together on the bread that endures to eternal life. Lord God, thank You for feeding us through Your Word. And now we go to the second part of the sermon that You have for us this morning in the table that You've prepared. Lord, feed us now. We come hungry. Hungry for you, the true manna from heaven that endures eternal life. Lord, feed us by your presence through your spirit in these moments. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.